Welcome to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the ways we do that is through the preaching of God's Word, centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's message. Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Morning. Man, is it not uh, beautiful outside? Amen. Uh, God has given us such a good day together. Well, my name is Buck, and uh, if you're a first-timer, I just want to say uh, we are pumped that you're here. Uh, I have the honor and the privilege of serving uh, as the lead pastor uh, here at Connection Church. And so uh, we've been doing things a little different in that we are uh, going to start out by reading Scripture uh, before we come in and begin to preach. And so uh, you've come at a great time if it's your first time. We're going to be going uh, year-long in a series we're calling A Greater Story And so if you missed last week, I would encourage you to go back and listen as we talked about kind of the why we're doing that. But really what we want to do is to show you how uh, really every story in the Bible points to Jesus. And man, if you're thinking like, all right, well, we're starting Genesis 1 today, you're going to see it does not take long uh, that the Bible reveals we need a Savior and a Savior is ready to do what a Savior does save us. And so um, we've read Genesis 1, and, and I wanted to, to kind of give a, a quick shout out here. If you're needing some entertainment in the evening, right, if you've not started watching The Chosen, I just want to tell you, man, it is really, really cool. And one of the reasons why I think Ch The Chosen is getting a lot of traction, and what it is, is it's uh, really um, cinema done really, really well about Jesus, okay, so no one throws stones at me, but for the history of cinema about Jesus, um, it is cinematically just not very good. All right? Can we just say that? Um, that, it, that it oftentimes feels a little cheesy and it's just not that good of a movie. But man, Chosen is awesome. And one of the reasons I think that Chosen is catching a lot of traction because we're actually getting to see the characters many of us have read about, um, whether it be Sunday school or some church experience, we get to see it played out in a nice uh, cinematic form. You guys tracking with me? But what, one of the things I, I want you to see is this, is that really, until we begin to understand characters, uh, I really don't believe we are captivated into the story, right? So we're calling this series A Greater Story, Walking Through the Bible. Well, today, I want to introduce to you all of the major characters that we're going to read about for the rest of the year, right? And so when you begin to understand the characters, then you're going to have an appreciation um, for the story, all right? And so let's check it out right here in uh, verses one through three. And so I'm going to talk you through this and, and let's look at this. So verse one, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now let's stop right there. Here's our first major character. We see God, right? Um, and then we go on to see uh, the earth, verse two, the earth was formless and empty and darkness. I want you to highlight that darkness covered the deep waters and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And in verse 3, God said, you can highlight said and highlight, let there be light. And there was light. And so um, first thing I want you to take with you, if you're taking notes, um, all the major characters are here, right? All the major characters are right here in these first three verses where you're thinking, well, Buck, tell me about that. What, what do you mean? Well, let me explain that a little bit. So the first major character uh, is God. Right? We see God the creator. Now I want you to notice something um, about God. And if you go on in this week, we're going to read the whole chapter. But every time when God creates, 
at the end of it, it says it is good, right? And so we see God and that he and what he creates is good. But I want you to notice something, okay? Is that God is what we call preeminent. When it says God created, okay, what we're seeing is that our God was not crafted from other stuff, okay? You're tracking with me? So check this out. So in many cultures, in many creation narratives, like things kind of form together to make a God. Like if you're familiar with Greek theology, um, there's sun gods, there's moon gods, and there's all these gods that were created out of things and materials we see. But we see um, our God, it was not crafted. He is a creator. Hear that one more time. Our God was not crafted from things. Rather, he created things. So I want you to, to take this down, let it get deep, let it marinate right here, because this is huge to understand in the Bible. We exist for God. God does not exist for us. Hear that one more time. We exist for God, right? He is before all things. He is preeminent. Therefore, God does not exist to fit into us. So we have to see God this way. And then you say, well, Buck, why did you have me highlight darkness? Well, if you don't know much about um, Satan, the enemy, Lucifer, we've heard him in many different names, depending on kind of where you come from. He has many different names. I want you to check this out in verse 2. It says, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep water. You can highlight that darkness because, see, there's a problem here. Um, God says in 1 John 1 that in him he is light, and in him there is no darkness at all, right? But we see darkness in his creation. And so we're beginning to be introduced to this idea of darkness. And what we know, if you have curiosity about well, well, what happened with Satan? Kind of where did he come from? Well, Satan was an angel, right, who was not satisfied being an angel, but wanted to be God. Therefore, God sent him out of heaven, right, and he was cast down. Now, we don't know when. All we know is that next weekend when we talk Genesis 3, um, Satan is there in the garden doing evil, right? Like darkness is present. And so this is what I would say because I want to be theologically on. Um, he may or may not be the source of darkness in this passage, but understand darkness is his domain for the rest of the story. Hear that again. That darkness is his domain for the rest of the story. So we see darkness hovering over the waters. And I want to really press on this for a second. This is what Satan exists to do. He exists to drag men and women into darkness. Hear that one more time. Really, throughout the rest of the story, I want you to see the part darkness plays is our enemy, who is very real in this story, wants to drag men and women into the darkness. I'll flesh this out a little bit. John 10.10. 10. It says the enemy, right, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Right? But it says what? God. But my purpose, talking God here, my purpose is to give them rich and satisfying life. So we see the enemy trying to drag to death. Now check this out. So that's the enemy wanting to steal, kill, and destroy. Read with me John 3, 19. It'll be on the screen. It says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. That's speaking of sin, right? So we see this external darkness kind of propelled by Satan. We see this internal darkness that we haven't come into grips with yet that's coming next week, um, really dragging us into darkness, right? And then you go on, I could read more, Matthew 25, 30. It says, when we are thrown out of God's presence, we go into utter darkness. You go in and in 2 Peter 2, it says that false prophets are, are, are cast into deepest darkness, right? So we're seeing the domain 
of the enemy right here in verse number two, right? But then we see, I want to tell you, everybody take this with you, okay? Anytime Satan's attacking, God's always working. Hear that again. Anytime Satan is attacking, Satan is doing what he does, God is always working. What's this play out right here in verse two? It says that darkness covered the deep waters, but check this out, okay? And the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Well, we see darkness, and then what do we immediately see? We see the spirit hovering, ready, okay? And I want to tell you something, all right? Um, if you guys ever, and by the way, Bear, again, got up at 4.30 last night. If you come much, you hear, uh, I have this three-year-old that's obsessed of waking up before five, all right? He loves it, lives for it. And, um, and so, like, if you've ever tried to walk down the hallway, and we had friends over last night, so, man, you talk about dangers. I know there's toys, and I know they're lurking, right? And it is pitch black, and you, I'm scared to death walking down the hallway, right? Darkness is chaotic. Wouldn't you guys agree? When we're living in darkness, we're living in chaos. And that's what Satan does. That's what he does is he wants to drag us into chaos. That's what he exists to do. He exists to twist stuff up. But check this out. The Bible says this about the Spirit. It says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom or liberation. So we see darkness and God immediately, we see his Spirit, and the two are hovering. They're there. They're ready to go. We begin to see these two sides forming, right? And then I want to introduce you to, in the rest of the passage, we begin to see God's creation, right? It says, God spoke, let there be light. Light appeared. It goes on down. He made space between the waters, and then he goes on and he creates vegetation. He creates everything you see. You see God's creation. And remember, after everything he creates, he says it's good. So we have a creator God who is good, who creates a good creation. Okay. Now, I want to skip over to 26 and 28 because you're thinking, well, well, where are we in this story? Right? Like, where are we? Verse 26. It says, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. This is God speaking here. They will reign over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and the livestock and all the wild animals of the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image and in the image of who? Of God, not darkness. We don't see darkness anywhere in this mix in us and, and, and distorting things yet. But we begin to see a good God creating his people. And it says, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So what I want you to see is that God had a good creation... And then after he created us, uh, he said everything he had made was very good for the first time. So we see this good creation, a good God, a perfect God. And I want you to take this with you, okay? In the beginning, everything was perfect. We were created to live for forever, to enjoy fellowship with a creator who was good, right? Like, like there was nothing. We were perfect in perfect fellowship with him, but lurking. What do we see? We see darkness lurking. We begin to see the two sides forming that are about to do battle for the rest of the Bible. And so, wouldn't you guys agree, intrinsically, there's something in us that knows um, we enjoy a good battle, but we enjoy seeing the good guy win. Would you guys agree with that? 
You know, I was a U.S. history teacher for five years, and this is a sad way to go into a profession, but man, when I watched the movie The Patriot, I was in on history. You with me? Like Mel Gibson, ponytail, sharpshooting, I'm in. And so you, you can't tell me if you watch that movie, if I could catch you up to speed real quick. Um, Mel Gibson is, a, is a, a widower raising a bunch of kids, just simple farm, just good dude, simple farmer. And um, this British guy comes who is evil, sinister, just ugly, and winds up um, really just going to battle with Mel Gibson for the rest of the movie. I mean, Mel Gibson is just a great guy, right? I mean, he's just awesome, but he's also a, you know, you can tell he's a fierce warrior, and he's strong, and he's mighty. And then this other guy, Colonel Tavington, I mean, you, you really don't like the guy, the whole movie, because he's just, he's just fighting against good. And man, I, I'm, spoiler alert, close your eyes, you want to go home and watch this. But you can't tell me you don't cheer like crazy when Mel Gibson does the head whip and gets him, right? You guys with me on that? There's something in us that, that, that we are captivated by the story and we are captivated when good triumphs over evil. Brother and sister, we've been invited to a real story that's just like that. We've been invited in because this story I'm teaching isn't something we just watch on a screen. It's something we wake up to every day. We wake up to a greater story that's bigger than us. And so don't get it twisted. There's a reason that story is in us. There's a reason we, we see this battle, this good and evil. And what I want to teach you is, as this Bible is preached, this is not a good moral book to listen to. This thing is critical to learn so that we may be victorious in the battle. Here they again. The Bible is so much more than just a good book to listen to. And here's the deal, man. Like, it, 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 see it that way of, the, the, the church was never designed to be a place where we can come, we can sit Indian style and geek out with each other about who knows more, right? Or whose life looks the prettiest. You know, the church was meant to be a place where we can equip the saints for the work of the ministry to conquer a real enemy. That is the purpose of the church. And so I want us to begin to see that the Bible is vital for us to win this battle we're caught up in. It's vital, right? There is no neutral. We have a real enemy we have a real Savior who wants to use us. And so as we begin to read the Bible, what I want you to see more than like a, 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 an entertaining book to read, and by the way, like if you're into entertaining stuff, like I know somebody told me Mortal Kombat came out, just read Judges, right? It's the same thing. It's the same thing. So it is good to read, right? It's not boring. But don't read it like Harry Potter. Read it like a field manual when you're out at, at battle. It's critical. It's critical for life and health, and uh, it's critical for life for us. Again, remember, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but my purpose is coming from God is to give them rich and satisfying life. So a couple questions. Ask yourself, where is Satan trying to steal, kill, and destroy my life, my family, and my relationships? Hear that one more time. Where is the enemy who really wants to do that, trying to steal, kill, and destroy my life, my family and my relationships, right? And what we can begin to see is that as we, uh, uh, we gain correct perspective of the Bible, we can begin to see those things, expose those things, right? And live life in the midst of those things. Does that make sense? You're tracking with me. Now, you say, Buck, you've been talking a lot about this good and battle. Well, I want to dive into answering the question, what is our place in the story? You said all the major characters are in one through three. We've been talking about God. We've been talking about his spirit. We've been talking about darkness. Well, what part do we have to play? Read with me again verse 26. 
It says, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Notice something in there, okay? That's plural, and I'm going to get into this in a minute. It says they will reign. This is what our place is in the story. Reign. Think about the word uh, dominion or rule or steward, right? That we will be um, co-rulers with God over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the, on the earth, small animals that scurry along the ground. Now, verse 27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Rain. You see it again. Rain over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the animals that scurry along the ground. A few things I want you to see. We are created in God's image, which means he loves us so much. We somewhat look like him. right? Like We are image bearers from God. Nothing on the planet it, it bears that name of image bearer. We are image bearers of God. And in this, we see the purpose, right? It's to fill the earth with his glory. The reformers said it like this. You want to know, what is my purpose in life? What part do I have to play in a greater story? Hear this. Our purpose is to glorify God and enjoy him for forever. Hear that again. The, the, the reformers said it like this. They said the chief end of man is that we would enjoy God forever, right? that we would know him, that we would enjoy him forever. And so, um, remember, again, I'm going to go back. We exist for him. He does not exist for us. But I want you to hear this. God enjoys us. And I say that. It says that we, when he made us on the last day, he says, what I've made is very good. The only time he says that in the creation narrative. And he says, man, I love you guys, and we are to govern the earth. We've been set apart. We aren't just random animals in a random story that, that some big bang put it all together. Come on, man, look outside. Did that randomly happen? It's a beautiful day. You, you can't believe me. You can't buy into that. Now, now, again, we're not random animals. Now, wives or girlfriends, I want to speak into this. Now, now during Braves season, we may have some tendencies. We may drool over a microwave dinner watching the Braves, right? Very animal-like, Yeah. But it's not random. We are not just random animals here just trying to get um, a, a better life. No, we are created by a good creator in his image to rule, reign, steward, and love his world with him. Make sense? And so um, we begin to see our story. And then lastly, it says to what? To be fruitful and multiply. To fill the earth with his glory. What God created us to be, he says, go make more of them. Now, I'm going to go ahead and fast forward past the fall. If you want to know what that means today, that means making disciples. That means if you love Jesus, that means make more people that love Jesus. Simple as that. That is what we are to do. We are to know positionally we are created to know God and to be with him for forever. And while we wait on that, we are to make disciples. We are to make worshipers of God, right? But wouldn't you guys agree, when we're not functioning in our design, things fall apart. Hear that again. When we aren't functioning as we are designed to work, okay, things aren't going to work. Now, I am proud of this. Believe it or not, I've warmed up to it. I'm the proud owner of a maybe 2011, I think, Ford Escape, right? My little boogie car. Y'all hear me? Y'all see me whipping, whipping around. That's it. I'm going to be in that Ford Escape. One day I'm praying the truck will come back, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, time will tell. But, um, but I really just have a function for that truck, okay? It has to get me to the office 
okay? It has to pick my kids up from school and get me home. That is what it is designed to do. That's what it was bought for. That is its purpose. Now, I grew up on the farm a little bit, hunt fish. As, as I get Bear saying, I said, Bear, what you want to do today? He'll say, Daddy, let's go hunt fish and trap. But um, that, that's how I grew up, right? Always in trucks, so I've had to learn to adjust. And so if I take my Ford Escape and I hitch a trailer onto it, and I like the fish, right? And I hook a boat, and man, if you've ever been to Lake Sinclair, man, them hills on the way, on that, on that bypass, is so bad. I'm going to tell you, that transmission is going to blow up sky high, and I'll be done, right? That'll be the end of my boogie car. It's done. Because it's doing something it was not functioning, it was not designed to do, and therefore it falls apart. It blows up. It does not work. Brother and sister, I want to tell you something. Let me go another way here. I love the deer hunt. Man, if I, if I, if I you know, um, harvest some game, I'm trying to say it in a nice way. If I harvest some game, all right, and I open up the trunk and throw that deer back there and take it to venison and I don't clean it up and Carly opens it and it looks like Amityville Horror in the back of my car, um, I'm done. I'm through. Because, see, we're operating in, with things that, in a way, they weren't designed to operate. Let me tell you something. If you're operating with your life, in a way that does not glorify God or seek to make disciples, that's what's wrong. We're not doing what we were function designed to do. We were designed to know him, to love him. And all those broken things, his word speaks into them and begins to replace lies of the enemy with the truth of his word. And we can begin to function in the world as we are designed to function. You guys tracking with me? You may not listen the rest of the time. You need to hear that. You got me? Tracking? Give me a nod, something, man. I'm trying to figure y'all out today. Y'all good? All right, let's rock. So, ask yourself a question. Am I living in my design? Am I living in my design? Am I, is my life as it was designed to live by a good God? Secondly, and I want to press the believer here, if you know Jesus, are you fulfilling your purpose? Are you making disciples? Are you filling the earth with his glory? Right? Because we are designed to know him, to glorify him, um, to live um, stewarding this earth with him. And as we steward, we are meant to advance the gospel to go and make disciples. And so this is it. Y'all want to know how I got saved? Because I lived a good life. And you know what? The why I woke up, never, it never captivated me enough to get excited about waking up. I needed a greater why. So take a second and think about purpose because I think we all are searching for purpose. And if your why does not give you sufficient purpose for this life, I want to encourage you, read the Bible with us and find a better why. Right? Find a better why because that's what captivated me of I needed a why and I know now my why is to wake up, to be loved by him, to love him, to glorify him and to go and advance the gospel to the ends of the earth and then be with him for forever. That's the why. That's the best why you'll ever find. I'm going to go ahead and save you some trouble. But you've got to come to that place in your heart. Guys, you hear me? You guys with me? All right. So the third thing I want you to see, verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our own image to be like us. Third thing, we are designed for community. Do y'all know that? We are designed for community. We are designed to be in community. And I just want to brag on our church. Bragging's not good. Um, I don't know a better word. Anyway, we'll brag. Okay. Lord, Lord, forgive me if that's bad. But hear this. You guys have done such a good job of creating a community atmosphere here. It's, it's really incredible. The way you, you plug in, uh, our connect groups are strong. And I want you to know, like, that is a good and right thing. 
Heck, most of you, man, my preaching's got to get better. Most of y'all come to Connect Group for you'll come to church, right? That's where I've concluded. But that's awesome, and it really is, because Connect Group and community is as we are designed. You'll see this. When God created Adam, he said, brother, it's not good for you to be alone. And he created Eve, right? And then I want you to see this. Community is an overflow of who God is. You see that? It says, then God said, let us, plural, community, let us make human beings in our own image. That's speaking to the Trinity, right? That's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All three are completely God, right? But all three are working out together in community. Three distinct functions, all the same. So community is an overflow of who God is. Hear that again. Community is an overflow of who God is. Now, this is what I want you to take with that. If community is where I need to be, if God is an overflow of community, isolation is a work of the enemy. Hear that again. Isolation is a work of the enemy. You are not designed to do this alone. Right? You're, you're just not designed to do that. I, I think about it like this, okay? Um, whenever you watch the Discovery Channel, um, next time, check out when them lions are chilling in that savanna, okay? And they're just, man, they're about to munch on a zebra, okay? Check out which one gets caught. Usually the sick, hurt one who needs to be in the middle of the pack who's out there by himself. Hear that again. If the devil really is, okay, does he come to steal, kill, and destroy? Man, isolation makes easy prey. We are designed to belong to a covenant community of faith and not to just come and sit beside each other, wave, and look pretty. We're designed to know each other. Because, man, there, there's going to be times that I need men in my life that I'm going to miss it, and I need them to speak into my life. I, I need that. All right? There's going to be times where I'm hurting. Hey, I've been through seasons where I have hurt, and there's been men in my life who have picked me up. Ladies, same. There's going to be struggles. You need women that can lovingly walk with you and speak into your life. Um, um, you know, Parents, you need communities of people that are just trying to figure out being a parent. You need people to encourage you, to love you, and to love you enough to share truth with you, right? We're designed for community. So take this point with you. Being a part of biblical community isn't just a good thing to do. It's operating in God's good design. Being a part of biblical community is not a good thing to go sign up for and do. It is operating in God's design. I want to I throw this at you. How would your life or maybe your family's life look different if we would have grown up in good biblical community? Are there some heartaches in your life that would have been missed if we had grown up in community? You know, because I, I know the statistics on divorce and, and all those ugly things. How much of that would have been divorced, the, the, how much of that uh, would have been avoided had we been in community? And guess what, man? We have an opportunity to be the change because we're going to get plugged in. Secondly, I want to ask you, how will your life look different if you commit to biblical community? What if you had people you sought advice for on those difficult decisions? What, what if you had people that when you fall, they're ready to run and help you up? What would life look like? How much better would it be? All right, and so I want you to really let that set. But then, you know, maybe we're at the point in the message where, okay, you've been telling us a lot about God. You've been telling us a lot about darkness. You've been telling us a lot about us. This whole story is about Jesus. You ain't even said Jesus, right? Where's Jesus? I want you guys to walk with me right here, starting in verse 1. I'll take it back. Let's just go straight to verse 3. Might as well go with it. 
all right? But where's Jesus? You said that every story whispers his name, and this book's about Jesus. So it says, then God said, quotations, his voice, let there be light, and there was light. Now, there's something I want you to see. Day one, God created light, and there was light. Day four, God created sun, and there was sun shining on the earth. Well, you say, well, well, what in the world was the, the light? What was the light for those days? I want you guys to turn with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And it's going to be on the screen. I know I'm, I'm rolling here, but I want you to read with me John chapter 1, 1 through 4. This is when Jesus actually makes his appearance, and um, the apostle John is talking about this appearance, right? Like Jesus in the flesh. Now, I want you to hear how he introduces Jesus. You're like, where's he been? Like, where is Jesus in the story? It says, in the beginning, the Word already existed. You remember God spoke and said, let there be light? It says, the Word already existed. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He existed in the beginning where? With God, remember, in community, in fellowship. It says, God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. Now, where is Jesus in Genesis 1 through 3? Verse 4, it says, the Word gave life. To everything that was created. And his life brought what? Light to everyone. The light shines into the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Hear that one more time. If you're in the dark season, it says the light shines into that darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish his light. So you say, but where is Jesus? Take two things with you. One, Jesus is the word of life. Right? When the earth was formless and empty and darkness was covering, the spirit of the Lord was hovering and God spoke and said what? Let there be light in this darkness. Jesus was the light of the world. He was, is greater than the sun that gives us life every day. Secondly, where is Jesus? When God spoke, that was his word. And it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We see Jesus in verse number Three, the word gives life as the enemy tries to take life. Hear that again. What I'm preaching right now, it says um, the word gives life. It's the word of life. I want, you to, I want you to hear this, okay? Jesus has been shining in the darkness since day one. Hear that one more time. Some of you need to hear this, okay? Jesus has been shining into light since day. He's been shining his light into darkness since day one. So wherever you came in today, Jesus has been doing what he does from the beginning, is shining light into darkness. And I want to ask you something today. If you walked in with darkness and chaos, you remember those origins? There's an external factor that we have a real enemy that tries to drag us into darkness, but then we have an internal flesh that we're going to talk about next weekend and it drags us into darkness. That's sin, right? And because of that sin, that's what throws us into chaos and why life is chaos. And, and this is the deal. I want you to know, I want to speak to that today. Jesus is ready to shine light in your darkness. It's available. He's already been doing it since day one. And what that looks like is confession and repentance. And if you've never let Jesus' light shine into your life, that means salvation. That means that he wants to come in and uh, reorder things that now the light of life is Lord of my life and now I'm going to let his light shine in my darkness and begin to change me from the inside out. And so before we close reading Revelation, 
I just want you to lean in for a second. If that's the first time you've ever heard the good news of the gospel and what the gospel is, okay, is that God sent his son Jesus, okay, who became that sin, that darkness, all right? He became sin for us and was uh, died, crucified, resurrected on the third day so that by faith in him, uh, we could be saved from our sin, from darkness, and live in God's light for all eternity. That's the gospel, that Jesus became a curse for us. He became um, the, the penalty of sin. He took it for us. And so today, if that's never happened in your life, I just want everyone to close your eyes. I want to give that invitation today. Lord, Lord as we've read your word, if we've talked about light and darkness, Lord, I, I just have to believe maybe there's someone here that has never received your light. And this is what I want you to know. You see God's goodness from the beginning. He's good. He's trustworthy. He, he, he has what's best for us in mind. And that um, no weapon form, no darkness that, that can outshine God's light. In John 5, it says that light shines into darkness and darkness cannot overcome it. And so today, if you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, to make him Lord, I'm just going to ask you to be bold. Would you just lift your hand? To say, I need a relationship with Jesus today. Is that anybody here? And I'm going to give you guys just a moment. Is that anybody? Amen. Amen. You can lift your heads. I want to read one final passage, okay? So you remember, Jesus was sufficient light for everything. Even before the sun, he was the light of the world. God spoke and it came to be. So God is sufficient to shine light exactly where you are into your darkness. Now read with me verse number three, Revelation 22, verse three through five. We're laying out all the cards, all the characters in the story today because this is the last chapter of the story. And it says when, when we're there in heaven, it says no longer will there be a curse upon anything, no darkness, for the throne of God and of the lamb will be there and his servants will worship him. Verse four, it says, and they will see his face and his name will be written on their foreheads. Verse five, and there will be no night there, no darkness, no need for lamps or for the sun, for the Lord God will shine on them. And this is where we get to be for all eternity and they will reign with him for forever. So this is a call to worship, and I want you to know this is the Savior we preach about from Genesis to Revelation. This is our God. Amen? Amen. Any of you guys thankful for Jesus this morning? Amen? Thanks for tuning in to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message stirred your affections for Jesus. We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. For more information about our church and other resources, please visit ConnectionDublin.com.